Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dude Show with Josh, Luke, and Brett Tomko. We're going to have uh, three exciting topics today, and we'll see where we go from there. We got Clay Bellinger, uh, Cody Bellinger, my brother played with Clay. I always do that. Cody Bellinger, National League MVP, not as close as people thought. Uh, the second thing is we're going to get into the recap of the awards. Brett and I made some predictions, if you recall, on one of the shows, and we're going to go through each of those. And then we're going to finish up with the hot topic that's just blowing up social media, which is the the admission from a former 2017 Astros player that there was a video, um, not pitch tipping, but video cheating going on and tipping the batters to the pitches in the tunnel behind the locker room, whether it's whistling or hitting the trash can. We're going to go through all of that. So, Brett, let's start with Cody Bellinger uh, winning an MVP race that turned out not to be as close as we thought it might be. I'm shocked a little bit, actually. I mean, it's, I think it's well-deserved. But I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little surprised that it wasn't a little bit closer. Um, I think, and I think I'll ask you this question too. Um, you know, everything's voted on before the playoffs, and I'm not sure if that's, you know, I, I get it because you can't do postseason stuff after the fact. But you know, there, there, Rendon man had an unbelievable postseason, had an unbelievable season, and he got one first place vote. And I think that's I think that's crazy. Uh, um, you know it. Became a good battle and a good race, and I think Bellinger was the guy to beat pretty much the whole year. And you know, congratulations to him. Well, I think your point is well taken. It, it look this award's about the regular season, and because they collect the ballots before this the playoffs start, it was um, it was a reflection of the season, but it also reflects the fact that the Nats got absolutely no credit for having a dominant. Well, we can half. talk about that too with Manager of the Year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It wasn't I mean, even there wasn't even he didn't even make the top three, Martinez. And 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 I think they just didn't get respect. And I think they proved I think they proved a lot of people wrong that they should have been paying attention to him. How much Brett did the, the look, you had an offensive argument for all three. You could have argued Yelich, you could have argued Belly, you could have argued Rendon. There was no argument as to who the best defender was and not just best defender, but at multiple positions. How much did that play in? No, I think that I, I think it absolutely plays into it because you're talking about a guy that wherever you put him, you put him at first base, he's a gold glove first baseman. You put him in center field, he's a gold glove center fielder. You put him in right field, he's a gold glove right fielder. You know, I, I think there's that has to play into it because I, I know there's a bunch of different stats about runs saved and put outs and all that stuff. And I don't know exactly what those, I didn't dive really deep into that, but you know, his offensive numbers, I mean, <laughs> they, were, they were amazing. So, you know, I think what happened where I think a lot of people may have thought that Yelich or Rendon might've slipped in was, you know, his average went from being way up there in the high three hundreds to, to barely being over, you know, 300 at 305. And I think people thought he kind of let it slip away, but you know, you take that, you take a 305 
47 home runs. Um, you know, you take that any day of the week. And, and it was, it was an amazing season. I think it's well-deserved, especially, you know, coming off a season where he struggled in the playoffs and there was a lot of people down on him to come out and basically solidify like, Hey, no, I'm, I'm still a superstar and I'm still, you know, one of the best players in the league. You got to tip your cap to him. I think as a baseball fan, it was just a fun MVP race, just as it was a fun going into the playoffs. I mean, you kept saying, hey, the, the, the wild card scares me more than anybody, more than the dominant Dodgers. And I think the season as a whole, as well as the National League MVP race, was just fun as a baseball fan. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I was listening yesterday. Clay Bell- Clay, Cody Bellinger was clearly, <laughs> clearly excited to get this award. And it was quite a contrast to uh, earlier in the year when the storyline was he said, hey, in order to be a better all-around player, I'd like to play one position. He told Doc that that was the storyline last year in spring training. And they honored that for first half of the season, right? They said, hey, you're going to be our right, right. field. They had some issues at first base. So uh, by that time, he was already the front runner for MVP. He has an argument to be a gold glove at multiple positions, three positions, center, right, and first base. But you could see the emotion when they awarded him the award yesterday that this is something that, that his hard work, he, it clearly meant a lot to him to get this recognition. Well, the funny thing is you don't see a whole lot of emotion out of him during the season. And that's, that's one thing. No, I can't get a read yeah. on him sometimes because he, he's very stoic, very stone face to see him show some emotion and be happy. And, and, you know, and how could you not be happy? You just won the MVP of the national league. I mean, I'd be ecstatic. So even, even if I was in the top three, I would be pumped. So we're all kids at heart. All the guys that are playing in the major leagues, the reason why they're playing baseball is they're, they're giant kids. So, yeah. you know, to finally, everybody wants to win a World Series. Everybody wants to get big contracts. Everybody wants that. And, and people are going to always say, oh, it's not about the awards. It's not about this. But it, it, it feels good. It feels good to be, yeah. you know, honored and, you know, recognized as being one of the best or the best in the National League. And, you know, they can never take that away for you. He's going to have that that trophy the rest of his life. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's well-deserved. So a couple of little known trivia facts. Uh, how many home runs do you think Bellinger hit his uh, senior year in high school out in Arizona? I told you the answer. So you already know. I'm saying but... he hit one more than I did. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, didn't didn't hit, no, I was a horrible, I, I was not a good hitter in high school. Yeah. So that's crazy. Well, uh, Hamilton high school in Arizona, which is a dominant football school and baseball school. I understand that clay Bellinger still does some batting practice and helps them coach, but uh, my college roommate, Mike Johnston, who was a BYU receiver, uh, is one of the coaches there. And he, he texted me yesterday and said, man, this guy hit one home run in a senior year and it barely cleared the fence. But such a great guy, such a great family. He was really excited for him. So, Brett, tell our listeners who the last Dodger MVP was because a lot of people are going to go way back and think, well, look, was it – who was it? When, when was it? But Kurt uh, Gibson, uh, yeah. you know, somebody like that. No, it was Clayton Kershaw. There you go. Um, you know, one Cy Young and MVP in the same year. And we were talking about that. We weren't – gosh, we should have fact-checked a little bit. If Gagne did it or came close, but Denner Zeckersley did it, um, you know, as a starting pitcher um, or a pitcher, period. Uh, it's not easy to win National League MVP or any MVP. Well, and, uh, you know, congratulations to Cody. It was it, – man, what, a, what an awesome year he had. It would have been nice to see Yelich finish healthy to see – how it went down to the wire, because I, I, I do think that played in. Um, I don't but, know if but, it didn't play in for Mike Trout. We can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> so, about that for a minute. So what do you think about the American League? Well, man, I, it's, I, I, think it, I think it played down the way it should be. Uh, I think Mike Trout was, you know, the, the hands down 
you know, front runner to win it. And, and he did, I mean, he put together a phenomenal season and, and he's, you know, in my mind, I'm just, I'm a big trout fan. I think he's, I think he's the best player in baseball. So I, I think he's, he's established that he's that guy. He's that guy that drives that ship. I'd like to see the angels get a little bit better um, all around, but you know, we'll see if that plays out in the off season, but he's a fun player to watch. And he's one of those guys, he's got all the tools and, and, and can get it done. So I don't think that was even going to be a close race. So let's, let's go back to um, Brett and I did a show with about a month left in the season where we predicted uh, MVPs. And I think we both had trout winning the AL MVP. Uh, that was actually I, a pretty close race too, to be honest. Yeah. And you they had got, Bregman second. Yeah. It was three fifty five to three thirty five. Trout had 17 first place votes and Bregman had third or yeah. 13 first place votes. So it, it, Became a pretty tight, tight race down. How the, far down back the was uh, third place? Uh, third place was two twenty-eight, so not even in the in the ballpark. So it was basically just a two-horse race. Who was third? Third was it Lemayhew or uh, Marcus Semien? Oh, Semien, that's right. Yeah, Semien, that, and that then D. H. Lemayhew was uh, fourth. Yeah, so man, Semien's been up and down throughout his career, but good for him. So, yeah. so that's your American League MVP in the National League. We both went with Bellinger. It was a safe bet for two uh, Dodger podcast hosts, but we also, <laughs> uh, all things considered, and I think we made a pretty good argument that if the postseason were considered that Rendon was going to make a run. And uh, I think if the award were different, Brett, kind of what you opened up with, I think Rendon would have been the MVP. I don't, you you wonder if they should change that. I mean, it's never going to be changed or, or probably won't be changed. That if they should vote after the playoffs. It's if tough a guy, to say it's unfair to guys that don't make the playoffs because that's part of doing well is making the playoffs. Right? Well, and I mean, he, you could have a guy like Rendon that had a great season and then had a great playoffs and you go, hey, it, the, you know, the Nationals wouldn't have won the World Series if it wasn't for this guy. You know, and he's, you know, the hands down MVP. Like, you know, you can make a case for both. I don't, I don't think they'll change it because, you know, they're talking about the regular season and this is just a regular season thing and the playoffs don't matter because it's not fair to the guys that don't make it. Because, you know, there's been guys that have had great seasons on teams that are sub 500 teams that have, have put together unbelievable numbers. And they're, you know, they're not even in the running for the MVP because it's usually, you know, a team that, you know, is in contention somehow. And so I don't know if they'll, they'll ever look into that, but you know, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this year. Well, let's shift the conversation over to the Cy Young and uh, a little, uh, we both whiffed on this one, but let's talk about the um, national league Cy Young winner. I predicted Strasburg would get it. Um, no, wait, I have my name twice down here and yours <laughs> in neither place, but neither of us had, uh, had the right answer even close. Did we? Um, gosh, I think I said Strasburg. Um, yeah. And he didn't even make the top three, which, which is surprising. Um, you know, it, this is a weird one for me because, you know, the last two years it's come down to a guy that's, that's almost been a 500 pitchers and, and, and you can say it's not about wins and losses you put together, you know, if you're on a team that's not that great and you're putting together good numbers and have a, you know, a low two ERA and, have the most strikeouts in the league and, and you're getting it done and the wins wins and losses is a relative thing because if your team's not doing well and you're not getting the run support you know you're not going to get the wins so and and that that's kind of been the thing it hasn't mattered the last two years for DeGrom he's gone out there and he's pitched great and he's put up huge numbers I think where it all went wrong for Ryu and and you can correct me if you're wrong on this one if he wouldn't have had that huge slide you know, middle three quarters into the season, yeah, I think he runs away July. with it. I mean, yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but you know, he, 
he, he had it, I think, in his hands, and it was his to take. And then when he went through that stretch where he just couldn't get it done and was getting pounded, he still ended up with really strong numbers. But I think in the voters' eyes, that's not how you view a Cy Young. Isn't he the kind of guy, though, because he's not a, a fireballer and an intimidator, almost like the first year or two of Greg Maddox's career, you're kind of like, really? This guy's this dominant? I need to see another year or two. And then three, four, or five years of doing it, you're like, okay, this guy is dominant regardless of how hard he throws. And I, I think that we even talked about that during the playoffs, that Ryu's not an intimidator. He's well, dominant. I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's established himself as being that guy that's crafty and mixes it up. This has been the first year, the first full season where he's really gone out there and done it. I think if he does it the next couple of years and he, he proves that he does it year after year, then I think the consideration might be a little bit different. Maddox had established himself and he, you know, he was a hard, Maddox was a hard thrower when he first came up. He threw gas. Yeah. He threw, you know, low to mid nineties. And the, for that era was considered hard. So wasn't until later in his career where he was kind of, <laughs> I'll call him a thumber, but, um, you know, it was just mixing it up and, and, you know, obviously guys couldn't hit it and he put together a unbelievable career. You might want to change it to the Greg Maddox award, really. Yeah. yeah so if you look so, at his numbers, we did that one time when I was playing with him, you know, cause oh yeah, you told it, me about that. Yeah. You know, Maddox is just a strange bird. I just saw him actually at a golf tournament uh, up in orange County and he's a strange dude. And we were sitting in the dugout cause we're all like, dude, that's the best pitcher of all time. And so we pulled up his stats. And when you look at his stats over 20 years, you scratch your head and go, no, this doesn't make sense. Like every year is like 18 to 23, 24 wins or whatever it was every single year. And it's, it's like, how can a guy do that every single year for that long? Well, and, and uh, my notes here say we both did pick Verlander to win the AL Cy Young, but we I both said this. we don't think that's the right call. We think that Cole's been better. Oh, no, I think I said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I absolutely – maybe maybe my mic cut out at some point. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so we both did pick Verlander, but but both of us made the argument for Cole. And, um, man, he's yeah, a Maybe it was guy. Verlander's no-hitter. Maybe the, That was the, it, no and that's what we pointed to because it was right about that time. It was late later in the summer, and – you know, both of them were deserving. That was really a two-horse race, and um, it was uh, – yeah, it was fun to watch. So let's go over to um, Rookie of the Year. Brett, I have you picking uh, Alvarez from Houston, and uh, – gosh. Alonzo. Alonzo from the Mets. <laughs> yeah, Alonzo from the I think Mets. those were no-brainers. I, I, I think they were – they were running away with it, and I think I think anybody, I think my kids could have came up and picked those ones. Yeah, and I think just to be fun, I picked Vlad Jr. in the American League, but um, yeah. but yeah, that didn't happen. So, um, so let's go to Manager of the Year because this is the one that was wide open, and I think you and I had some good conversation about four or five candidates in the American League, and it came down to Rocco Baldelli. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe I picked that one too. Um, yep. I think you yeah, picked Booney yeah. just because of the connection, which, you know, I think the Twins had that season. I mean, I know they didn't get it done in the playoffs. Um, they came in there and just got steamrolled, but they had a they had a, a season that, that was for the record books, putting up all the home runs and, and, and really being a team that nobody even gave, you know, much thought about to go out and, and to, you know, kind of run away with the Central like that. Uh, Baldelli did a great job. And, and even when they hired Baldelli, I'm like, why are they hiring this guy? Like, you know, and, and it's not that they need a big name guy because, you know, I don't think that's the way baseball works anymore. You know, Kevin Cash in Tampa, he wasn't a big name superstar guy, um, but they're good baseball guys. And, and Baldelli, you know, rallied the troops and, and did what they needed to do to put together a great season. 
Yeah, and I have in the National League, uh, you picking Dave Martinez and me picking a, a name I can't even read. And I want to just guess it's the Atlanta Braves code. Is that yeah. if he's from the Braves? Yeah. But yeah, but uh, um, Schilt, is it Schilt from the Cardinals? He yeah. Won it, which is an yeah. uh, interesting thing. He's the first ever manager to never play professional baseball to win really? the manager of the year. Yeah, never played professional baseball. There's um, a stat for you. Yeah, so it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm shocked that Dave Martinez was not even in the top three. Council was the other finalist. And it was one of those things we talked about. Nobody gave Washington any credit, any credit, because they started off so bad and they weren't I, – I, we should have maybe done a little stat check to see when they were 19 and 31 – what the record were of everyone, you know, the top teams after that. Cause I guarantee they had the best record in baseball and nobody considered Martinez even in the mix. I mean, he probably was oh. up there, but couldn't even crack the top three. And I, like I said, they, they proved a lot of people wrong. Maybe that's because half those writers who vote had called for him to be fired earlier in the year and they want to save face for their own right. personal columns, right? <laughs> true, so, true. Very true. So, so there's the awards for you. Um, so let's get into the hot topic on the internet. And Brett, there's so much. I mean, even in the NFL with what happened on the Thursday night game between the Browns that's and crazy. Steelers this week where they're talking about criminal charges for hitting somebody over the head with the helmet. Uh, it, it's crazy that the way sports are changing and, and I don't want to pull the millennial card and say it's because, you know, millennials were raised a certain way, but there's definitely some of these things wouldn't have gone on in, in, in your era and the era where we grew up, where there's this fine line between what's right and wrong and what's not. And what you and I talked about on every, on almost every show, because I'm obsessive about it <laughs> is if, if the, if you're pitch tipping, which you said you were tipping and some players told you about it, it doesn't make you feel good, but it's not cheating. That's not cheating. But when the, Amer the Major League Baseball says you absolutely under no circumstance can videotape and watch and relay signs live during the game to a batter, they talked about it in 2017, the Astros denied it, and now you have players coming out. So tell me your first reaction, regardless of who the source was, because look, it's, a, it's different than the Patriots, okay? Nobody on the Patriots ever came out and said we deflated balls. This is a player of a championship team saying we cheated. Tell me how that made you feel when you heard it. Well, it, it, was, it was interesting. And, and I'll, let me backtrack for a second. I know they have an eight-second delay on the cameras. Um, so, so I say that because there's an eight-second delay from the live feed. The live to, feed, yeah. The live feed to the feed in the clubhouse to prevent people from doing this. So – somebody had to put a camera in or do something where they got a real-time feed. So yeah. there's a thought process there like, hey, let's do this. It will give an advantage. So when you're, it's, you know, it's like, it's, you know, when somebody commits a crime, you know, was it a crime of, you know, just, it just happened or was their intent? Was there thought about it? And, you know, there definitely was thought about it. You know, we watched, I watched some of the videos and we were talking about it a little bit. There was a video of, um, Gaddis hitting, uh, you know, from a couple years ago. And it was alarming how they had a close up of the catcher's hands, um, change up, you would hear bang, bang, fastball, nothing, curveball, bang, bang, 
fastball, nothing. And it was plain as day where I was like, I mean, it's blatant. Yeah. How do the players not pick up on that? Right. And I know, <laughs> so I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and back check, but every time I went to Houston, I got crushed. I never pitched a good game in Houston. So maybe they had been doing it for like, <laughs> so I want to go back. You're not as passionate extra, about it. You want to no, go, I want to go back. 90. I want to go back and get some extra money for maybe some of those, uh, some of those losses that I got, but you know, that's, that's fears brought up a point. And this is, I think this is when it starts, you know, you start really thinking about it. Cheating has been going on forever, you know, and you talk about back in my era, you know, there were, I remember the white Sox in the eighties. We talked about this. They had a big, a big ball bout on their scoreboard and they would flip it on or flip it off for fastball or off speed. And they got caught. And, and so it's been going on a long time. And, and, you know, it's, it's how create Boston, um, in 2017, they were relaying, um, the pitches to, um, Apple, the, the iWatches, the, Apple of Watch, the trainer, yeah. the trainer was telling a, a guy on the team and then they were alerting the batters and they got caught and they got fined an undisclosed amount. So it's going on, um, you know, for a player to come out and say that because he's saying, you know, this are costing people jobs. You have young guys that are coming up that are going through Houston and they're getting crushed and they're getting sent back down. You're talking about people's livelihoods. You're talking about their careers are at stake. And is it one start or two starts that makes a difference? No, it's, it's a whole, but you know, people are, are intently going out there saying, we're going to try to get this advantage and do it. I know they just passed a thing. Um, I was reading there's no cameras allowed now from foul pole to foul pole. I think Manfred just um, did a crackdown on that. It says teams may not position cameras between the foul poles and yeah. the outfield, if not for broadcasting purposes. Team replay assistants who up notify the managers uh, for a challenge, a call on the field, will have access only to the live game broadcast and will be monitored by a security expert. So, I mean, they're, cra- they're going to start cracking down. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it, just an organization and in, in yeah, and it's, it's so hard because, you know, you got, you got guys like Verlander, you got guys that have been around a long time and, and for everyone not to know, and I'd be interested, I know some people in the, in the front office and I, I've been reluctant to, to reach out to them because it's, it's such a new thing out there and I don't want to, you know, rub salt in the wound, but you know, you wonder if they knew about it. You wonder if the front office knew about it or if it was just something that a few players got together and said, hey, we should do this and bang on this or whistle or, or whatever they were going to do. And, you know, the banging and the whistling are so apparent. Like, I don't know how that Hinch didn't know or the coaching staff didn't know. So let's talk thing. about that because that's my question for you. My gut tells me, because you know, it, look, there's, there's part of me that's heartbroken for every member of the Dodgers 2017, right? Not just the Dodgers, but the Dodgers were the best team in the league that year, and they got to the World Series and they lost. Uh, two games, one of them in which they're, even today on Twitter, they're, you know, Kershaw, it, it, they show the graphic. He was up 4 nothing in the third or fourth inning and the whistling started. But here's my question. But the, but then you could say, well, what happened to the first three innings? That's right. That's right. You know, yeah, it's it's go go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you on that one. So no, no, no. the Dodgers were up four nothing, is what I'm saying. And the yeah. whist- anyway, the point I want to make is this: I'm going to make a prediction, even though you've had the predictions much more accurate than me so far. AJ Hanch is getting suspended for a full season when this investigation's over. Wow, a full that's, season. It's an aggressive A-Rod call right there for a full season. I mean, this is flat out. We we told you not to do yeah, this. Yeah, but yeah, but a, yeah, that's I think that's a little bit different. You're talking about a Rod who you know knowingly injected himself with steroids or HGH or whatever he got banged for. But Hitch um, had to know. I mean, you can't not know. There's, there's yeah. no way for him to say I didn't know. 
I think he would get fined heavily. I don't think he'd get suspended for a whole season. So this I, is what I, MLB said, Brett. They said, hey, if you're a player and you lie to us, we're going to suspend you too, whether you play for Boston or Oakland or anybody else. They, they, they came out the day after they announced an investigation. And said, well, I think they've got to set precedent. they got yeah. to set a standard of we will not take this. This is what's going on. We will not stand for it. You know, it's like the drug testing. You know, there was, you know, 2004 when the drug testing went and it was over the, the percentage. Uh, I don't know if people quite know this, but, you know, there was a 7%. That was the number. And they did, everyone got mandatory drug test. Um, and then there were random ones throughout the year. And if the total percentage of positives were 7% or more, then it became mandatory every single year. And it was 7% exactly. So, you know, I, I, I commend Major League Baseball saying, hey, this is, this is what it is, and if it happens, these are the rules. And if they're going to do that now, then great. Clean up the game, clean up the cheating. But people have been cheating forever. People have been, batters have been cheating, you know, whether it's, you know, by, you know, relaying locations, pitchers have been cheating, pine tar on their fingers, Vaseline, whatever. Cheating happens um, when it's on this scope of it, I, when there's more than, you know, you know, if I'm on the mound, I got a little sticky stuff on my hand and I kind of get my fingers a little tacky. No one else knows about it. Just me. Yeah. But when you're talking that, that's about, that's where I think this is different. I think this is a flat out. You had to know it's not as if Verlander just slipped some Vaseline under the lid of his bill as he's walked out or something. Uh, but Hey, you brought up a, another point that, that we talked about on our show. And I think it's fascinating. The last person that could ever call somebody a cheater on air is, is Alex Rodriguez. But he did in such an awesome way in the ALCS. We talked about this, member. He, he on in the middle of the game, says something's not right, which is all he can say because he can't call people a cheater. Right. He got it for a year. Okay? He said he, he's got his bat on his shoulder on this fastball right down the middle. And he's a curveball hitter. And the next pitch is a curveball out of the zone. And he swings from his heels like no question. Yeah. Something wasn't right. And that was A-Rod knew what he was doing. He knew he couldn't call people a cheater. But he knew if, if Josh and Brett knew, <laughs> then A-Rod right. certainly knew. I wonder if I mean? any more people will come out that were on that team or, or they don't want to get blackballed and, and, and be labeled that. You know, I think Fears did it the right way by saying, you know, he's concerned with the young kids coming up. But – you know, there's, I know there's been some inside P I think there's been four people that have come out and said, you know, this was going on. And when, you know, when it's that, it's not just one person's account, when you're talking three or four or five and it gets up where it's going to be more than that, then you definitely, it, it's something that has to be addressed and will be addressed by major league baseball. Well, and I think I look, you look at Alex Cora, who of course we talked about, he's, he's really good at, at pitch tipping and all that. And that makes for a good story, particularly if you know, people are cheating and I'm not suggesting Alex isn't a good pitch tipper. You talked about teammates that that could pick it off too but when they came right out the next day and said we're talking to players from boston i think we know who they're talking about they're talking about cora and some coaches right mm -hmm. and even carlos beltran who's now the mets manager if i'm those guys i'm thinking hey i'm getting my attorney involved with the players association going i'll tell them everything but nothing i say gets out of this room you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. got it, it's going to get interesting to see where it goes. So you I know, got quick, I got a quick topic. fun fact. Go, yeah, quick fun fact for you. Um, uh, the Giants in 1950. All right. Um, the, the baseball hurt, Giants. The baseball, yeah, the baseball Giants. Um, the shot heard around the world. Bobby Thompson's walk off home run. Yeah. Um, there was a telescope in the outfield, um, and they were supposedly signaling the signs from the bullpen to what the pitches were coming. 
So you're talking about 1950. Talking it's like the about, Boston Tea Party all over again. Right, man. right. So, I mean, there's tons of them. There were things about, gosh, uh, um, I got a whole thing that I'm scrolling through right now. Um, binoculars in the outfield, uh, in the bullpen. And, and we, I, we, we had binoculars in the outfield. I won't say what team or, or what bullpen coach or whatever, but he used to have the binoculars out all the time. But he was looking around at, at – at people in the crowd and, yeah, and, and girls i'll say it so you yeah, okay you, i didn't come out of my mouth but that's what the binoculars were for down in the bullpen so you know there's been a few teams that have got caught on camera with binoculars so are they gonna you know do signs i don't know but maybe but it's been going on and it's not the first but this is i think the most blatant in terms of like sounds and loud sounds why pitches were just about to happen so just because we strive to bring different topics to our listeners brett i uh, have a somebody i'm very close to who once told me that uh, on a team they played for in the majors some of the videos they were watching during the game in the bullpen were not baseball related <laughs> did you ever play for a team um, that uh, they might have been watching some inappropriate videos during the game no, no team name mentioned no here. no no that's no, good no that's no, good. We, we, we had, I can we actually had, attribute it to a player, but I won't. <laughs> no, we, we, I never saw that. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, I played 20 years. I played, you know, 14 years in the big leagues. And I can honestly say I, I was never on a team where this was going on. I was never on a team where guys were giving locations. And Adam Kennedy came out and tweeted something too and, and saying, you know, he never saw it. I don't think I ever saw it unless I just wasn't paying attention or – I didn't, I wasn't in the know and in, in the hitter circle that they were doing that, but I never blatantly saw anything like that. So it's going on. It's always gone on, but to the extent of, you know, how many teams or how many players are doing it, who knows? But there's gray and there's black and white. And Brett, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you that because my brother, like you, I mean, the two guys that I, I grew up with uh, that I know played in the majors, you're both character guys who, who won't break rules knowingly, and it's it, it would maybe have a little to, pine tar here and there. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I noticed you got all your jerseys in the background, but I don't see any of your ball caps. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one day we'll do a whole show on how I how I might have, you know, shaved some hair on my arms. So like when I put a little pine tar, it wouldn't get all balled up and sticky. <laughs> I think we all I, seen that. Movie. Hey, I knew people. I knew a guy. This is just a little off topic. I knew a guy that he would chew a brand new piece of gum because the sugar in the gum um, is sticky. And then when you add that to rosin on the mound on your finger, so if you lick your, your, your tongue with your gum sugar mouth and touch yeah. the rosin, it gets really sticky. And so it was every, ev inning, every inning. I'm like, dude, he's, put, he's putting a new piece of gum in every <laughs> inning. I'm like, he's on a sugar rush. And then he explained <laughs> to me, he's like, no, no, no. Cause the sugar and the rosin get really tacky. And I was I like, like oh, that's genius. I like it. So I can't say I didn't try that one game. So let me just ask you that. Uh, it's kind of our put you on the field moment today. Um, it, this is different. Pitch tipping's different. Even a guy in second base picking off signs, that's different. This is the league coming out and saying, under no circumstance will you video, uh, feed it to the dugout, relay it to players, and then they did it anyway, allegedly. Um, particularly because you're a pitcher. Like if you're, let's break. So you're a starter. It's your off day. You walk back in the tunnel when your team's up to bat, and here's some scrubby assistant general manager to the assistant general manager back there with the headset, who's relaying signs to a batting coach, who's relaying a, you know, smacking a, a trash can. 
uh, that can make you feel good. I think it's a tough thing. I think it, it's a tough situation because here you are on a team. You know, it's the moral dilemma. You know, do you rat out your whole team that you're, you know, you're in the, in the, in the battle with and you're trying to win a championship? Do you rat them out and become almost blackballed? Because I, I tell you yeah. what, if you come out, you know, I don't know what, you know, effect it's going to have on fears going here forward with other teams. Um, you would hope it wouldn't affect anything, but you know, I know there was a strained relationship and with, with him and the Astros. And that's why he came out and said that, but he knew it was going on and he didn't come out and say it when it was going on because they were trying to win a championship. So, you know, you question the motives of why he comes out and says it, you question why he didn't say it before. Um, I don't think you question, you know, his reasoning that he wanted to, you know, clean up the game. You always wonder why you didn't try to clean it up before. Uh, when it was going on but you come in a situation like especially if you're a young guy you know you you're a young guy and you blow the whistle with all you know the whole organization and the veteran guys like yeah. how are you going to be viewed and and you know you you get a little nervous you're trying to establish yourself in the big leagues and let's be honest you make a lot of money in the big leagues you can set sure. yourself up for life you know and is it something that you go out there and you you know you put your your life on the line and say hey this isn't right i mean everyone should do that but you know, it takes, it takes somebody to, to step up and say, hey, this isn't right, and we're doing it, and we should be penalized for it. So what you're saying is he did it about as close to right as you could. Like, you're part of a team. It's hard. You, the season ends. The excitement's over. You realize, hey, um, like, I'm waking up in the middle of the night going, I'm not proud to, that I was a part of some of those actions. You, you put a year or so distance between it, and then you just say – and you, you didn't say in the World Series – he said during the season, like he very clearly said during the 2017 season, enough to kind of tease. You know what the point you just made reminds me of? My brother was teammates with Shane Spencer. You remember that name? Yeah, he, oh, yeah. He I, know Shane, quickest, I know Shane really well, yeah. Yeah, the quickest home run. He broke Kevin Moss's record of the quickest to hit, I think, 20 or 30 home runs. But he came up during the strike. And he, because he was whatever they called it, a scout. scout. Shane's a great yep. guy. Matt and he are good friends, too. Uh, but he he got it done when it counted, and he ended up, I think, coming back. But, man, after the strike, he really had a rough time for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it, and you wonder if that happens. You you get labeled as a whistleblower or a snitch. And, you know, and I, I think everyone should stand up and go, hey, this isn't right. This is what's going on. But, it's it, you know, when you're in that situation, it's a hard thing to know what the right thing to do is. The right thing to do is to stand up and say, hey, this is going on. It's not right. But, you know, it didn't happen. And, and it hasn't happened on other teams. But, you know, I, I'm glad it's coming to the light. I'm glad, you know, I, you can't say. And the tough thing is, is I've seen a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of players tweeting stuff and, and front office people tweeting stuff with the Astros. And, sure. you know, you can't take anything away for, from how good Altuve is, how good Bregman is, how good Correa is. They're phenomenal superstar baseball players. Um, would they have gotten it done if they weren't doing this? Maybe because they're very good baseball players. Did it help? Of course it helped. So, you know, yeah. how do you look at it? You know, and you've said all along, Brad, a lot of hitters don't want to know. Um, I just keep getting stuck on this. You know, I know, I know Brett Tomko's heart. I know Matt Luke's heart. And those are guys that wouldn't have wanted to be, be, been a part of that. You know what I mean? And so that's where I keep going back to this, this, this struggle of, Wow. You know, I wish I, I, I hope the truth does come out, whether you, you, know. you, you also, Josh, you look at this too. And, and 
you know, during the steroid era, if you knew somebody that was taking steroids, you know, did anyone come out and say, Hey, so-and-so is taking steroids. No, no. Matt had did. teammates who told flat out said, I'm going home to juice up. And Matt's like, good, good for you. I'm yeah. Not, and it's, I'm it's kind of that same dilemma, you know, comparison. it's, you know, it's, did I know guys that are doing it? I was very naive coming up, but I suspected it, but you know, you're not going to go out and go, Hey, I think this person's doing it. It just doesn't work like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a not a faux pas, but it's, it's one of those things that you just, you don't want to get labeled as a guy that's, you know, giving people up. So I'm going to give you a little personal insight that even Brett doesn't know. Um, I, I've been a hospital CEO of four hospitals and I was a whistleblower against two and those cases actually got unsealed this year. Uh, and my, I'm a, I'm a public speaker for a living now. And the name of my new presentation that I'm just starting to market for 2020 is called Whistleblower, Why Doing the Right Thing is Always the Right Thing. And, and it's it, the whole point of the thing is, Brett, I put my family at risk uh, to do this. I put my career at risk. And I'm, for the most part, unemployable as a hospital CEO anymore because I did the right thing. And, and you really made that point. Um, you know, the, particularly the younger, and I was a young CEO, it's the same thing, like, but I, at the same time, in, in my business, if, if your hospital company got caught doing something, you go to jail, and I wasn't going to jail because somebody else's poor decision making. Right, so, right. so that's why this hits home with me as well as I've been in that situation in a much different realm. So hey, Brett, uh, let's wrap up in the next two minutes here with this lots of banter about um, free agency. It's going to start to heat up. I've seen Scott Boris and others say they don't think it's going to take as long as it took last year uh, with Bryce Harper and and uh, Manny Machado, uh, all those guys. So if you if you were to predict two to three players you think are going to end up in Dodger blue uh, oh. in spring training, um, you, you know, like just pick, just throw two or three out there. Get get yeah, the listeners I, excited. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think the, I think the Dodgers have. You know, it's going to be tough. The whole Cole sweepstakes, the Rendon sweepstakes. Um, I think they have a better chance of getting Wheeler than they do Cole and, and Strasburg. I think Strasburg, you know, I've read a lot of things down here in San Diego about him coming back to San Diego, you know, where he went to school and where he grew up and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, who I'd like to see, I'd love to see Rendon. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Lindor. Does that move Turner to second base or would you put Rendon up the middle? Oh uh, no! I think you put I think you put Turner at second base. I think Rendon's, which is where he used to play. Yeah, I think Rendon's a little bit better third baseman than Turner. Not to say Turner's not a good third baseman, but I think Rendon's uh, slightly better. I wouldn't say drastically better, but slightly. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, names are tough. I, I'd like to see those are the big guys out there. Uh, if they could land a Cole, that would be amazing. But you know, I think you know, I think Cole. I I. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Cole ends up in New York just because he's a Yankee fan. I know Sabathia. We've texted back and forth. He's been giving him like West Coast boy playing for New York because he's from you know the Bay Area. Sure. Um, so you know, and I I know Boris is gonna be you know shopping those guys hard. I think I think it's a lot different now. There's gonna be a lot that happens in the next month once the winter meetings hit. Um, it used to winter meetings, nothing happened at the winter meetings. It all happened kind of in January, but the last couple of years, there's been a lot of stuff that happens at the meeting. So it's down here in San Diego. So I'll be out there, you know, a couple of days trying to get some, get some rumors and, and, and different things out there and, and try to try to see what's going on. But, you know, I'd like to see the Dodgers make a big splash and they said they're going to make a big splash. So we'll see. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Well, 
I, I think the Dodgers are going to unload the truck to get Garrett Cole. Um, you know, he grew up in Orange County, but went to UCLA. So I feel like there's as much of a Dodger angle as there is a um, an Angels angle. Um, look, I think it comes down to the Dodgers and Yankees because I don't think the Angels will pay. And, and that, you know, as much as I'm a huge Dodger fan, I like the Angels too. I live, we grew up 10 minutes from here. We go to the games. It's so easy to get in and out of that stadium, see good baseball. Well, it used to be good baseball. It's been a few years. <laughs> So I wouldn't mind if he's not here to the Dodgers. I would love to see him in Anaheim, but I just don't see Artie Marino doesn't have well he doesn't have a history of bringing those pitchers in. He's brought some position players in, um, but but I, I think if the Dodgers don't get him, you're right. He goes to the Yankees. I think he's my gut tells me um, that he has told Boris I want to play on the West Coast, but I also want this to be my payday. So if I if the Yankees are you know significantly higher, then well, I'll be a Yankee. Who doesn't want to be a Yankee? Right. So um, as, it, as it comes to position players, you know, as, as much as I study the pieces and, and of, of the Dodgers, I don't see as much of an urgency as you, as you know. Um, I don't know that, that Wheeler, it, with all due respect, I don't know that he is better than three other guys we already have. I know that Garrett Cole is. And that, that's where I, I get a little stuck. Like, is Wheeler an upgrade, or does that just make us go, our, our number four just got better, whether our number four is Ryu, Kershaw, Wheeler, or, or Bueller, depending on what week it is, because we saw that this year. So I don't know much beyond that. Lindor's name keeps coming up. I think that'd be great, but I, I'm hesitant when I do the, the financial, the math of the Dodgers to say, should we be trading for a position player or saving that money to get the dominant pitcher out there? And I'm with you. I think Strasburg's either – going to be a national i think it's probably 80 percent national 20 percent padre um but if if it's not one of those i think the dodgers and angels come into play too so i, I don't think we we're very helpful on the free agents <laughs> you know gotta, uh, gotta... as a wild card I, I think uh for you angel fans i i'd love to see mark trumbo come back home i know for a fact that, that his his um well Look, the guy's been hurt for two years. No, I just but, I like the name. The name that's that's a name from the past that I haven't. Well, heard about. he hit thirty-five home runs three years ago, and he's been unhealthy since then. And so, every guy wants to get paid. Trumbo's been paid, but he's also an OC guy. And I know for a fact that his big issue with uh, the Angels when he was a free agent last time was the coaching staff. And now that the coaching staff's been swapped out, um, the Angels are very attractive to everybody nowadays, pretty much because of their new coaching staff. Would you agree with that? I, I definitely agree with that. I think yeah. they're going to be, they're going to make, a, I, well, that's the thing. They got Madden. I think they're going to make a big splash. I think they're going to go after some big guys and, and maybe try to rebuild that. And it helps when you have, you know, maybe arguably the best player in baseball on that team to say, Hey, we, ha we, we have Mike Trout. We yeah. have a, we have a contender and no matter what in California where it's warm. Right. So they have, they have they're def definitely a sellable team. It's just a matter of, you know, do they want to fork out the money? I got a, one of my best buddies is an angel freak and a baseball stat geek like you and I, and he's listing off all the devil uh, rays. I guess they're not the devil rays, but the Tampa Bay Rays players who are free agents that used to play for Madden going angel next year, angel next year, angel next year. I don't know about that, but yeah, yeah well, but, but, we'll but those guys that are free agents that played for Madden, you know, it, it puts up a good argument. So, Hey, I, I got um, one quick question for you that I read something about Maeda. Did you see that Maeda came out and said that he wasn't, happy with the way the Dodgers handled him and oh, I did basically not yeah that. this just came out um gosh what was it I'm trying to quickly reference does that mean uh, they should have left me in that he's unhappy the way they handled him he doesn't like how the Dodgers have shifted him to the bullpen towards the end of the season for the past few years he wants the Dodgers to give 
given more starts because of his contracts, he receives incentive for every start benchmark he hits. Three million annually, but his incentives gets a million dollars for each for 15 and 20 games started, 1.5 for 25, then 30, then 32. And then innings wise, it's, you know, it's a, it's a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. That'd be nice. Quarter of a million dollars for 90 innings, hundred innings, 110 innings, 120. So every 10 innings, it's getting a quarter mm-hmm. of a million dollars up to 190. So it's, it's, you know, that, that adds another element into it. You well, know? Let's hope they uh, restructure his contract to change those incentives so we can keep him as a five and a half starter, six starter and, <laughs> and middle reliever. Cause he's been really good since they moved. That's the tough thing. He's been so good. And it's like, how do you, how do you tell him? And I was in that situation. I got bounced back from, from starting to, to relieving. And it's, it's a tough thing to like double edged you know, sword, right? Cause if you no, do well, they're going to keep you there. Yeah. But when your heart's on like, Hey, I'm a starter. And they're like, Hey, we want you to go. And I, there was a year of San Francisco. I had, I was had incentives for 170, 180, 190, 200 innings. And I got bounced out of the, out of the, rotation matt kane came up and i was i was upset and i was like gosh you know i'm not going to hit these incentives and they weren't like that but talking about a seventy-five thousand dollars incentive is a lot of money and i got put back into the starting lineup and i pitched oh, wait, the- wait 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 you can't tell this story right now we're going to tease it because this is the greatest story i've ever <laughs> like i i've texted brett the last day of the season so we're going to wrap the show this. up here and on the <laughs> next show I am going to ask Brett to share with you this. Uh, literally, I could not believe he was texting me going like this next pitch is worth how much? Just tell him how much this one pitch was worth. $75,000. $75,000, depending on if you walk this one batter or not. But there's so much more to it than that. Last day of the season in San Francisco, contract incentive. Uh, we're going to wrap up this show and tease <laughs> that for the next show. We'll tell you what, Brett, tell you the whole story because it is awesome. He has brother and a good buddy from high school in the stands. And it was a good ride back to Southern California. It sure was. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Hey, it's the Dodger dudes. uh, Josh, Luke, and Brett Tomko. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Congratulations to Cody Bellinger, National League MVP. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at the Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's the Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.